And uh, today I, I, I want to turn our attention to one of the, for me anyways, I, I don't know about you, but some of uh, the scriptures as you read your Bible, and I, and I trust and pray that you are reading your Bible, okay? And, uh, you know, and if you take a break, that's okay. I, I'm not here to scold you or, or to guilt you in any way. Just uh, when you're done with your break, you just get back at it, right? And uh, you just continue on. And uh, there's nobody here that's going to browbeat you about never missing or anything like that. But the, the point is that we're in our Bibles frequently. And uh, we want to read them because it's very, very important that we get the Scripture in us and uh, that it has its opportunity to, to do its, its work in us. You know, one of the things, too, that's really important is that we get it right. We get the Scripture in us in, in a right way. You know, it's so easy to misquote Scripture. And how many know that one word can change a whole outcome of a sentence? Isn't that true? Or even, even a punctuation, you know, where, where there's not a comma or something, you know. You ever heard that, that, uh, that example? It's like, uh, here's a sentence, let's eat grandma. Or is it, let's eat grandma. <laughs> a comma makes all the difference, doesn't it? <laughs> a comma makes all the difference. And so as we are frequently in the Word of God, we get it more and more right. And uh, I know we all can misquote scripture and we, you know, we kind of get the gist of it. Uh, press on in that, press on. Be in, in the word of God and let it get into you. And, and that's the, a huge part of what, what all that is about is, is, you know, we want to experience all that God has for us. And that's, that's why this passage that we're going to read here in John chapter 10. So if you brought your Bible, which I encourage you to do, turn there right now. We'll give you a minute to get there. But God has so much for us, and that's why this passage to me is, is so intriguing. I have been a Christian all of my, well, 62 years. Now, uh, I realize every one of us have a moment of salvation, and I think, you know, the, the time where it just really stuck and I understood it in my mind was about nine years old. And I lived in a, in a Christian home. My parents were pastors and and so I was raised in that environment. But there is so much more to learn. And as I've come across this, this passage in, in uh, John 10 and verses 7 through 10, so you can locate that, it has always intrigued me as to what Jesus was talking about here. So we're going to read this. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And here's the part that really intrigues me. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundant. Abundant life. What does that look like? Abundant life. That's why Jesus said he came. I have come that they may have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Think about that. Think about that. What does it mean to live the abundant life? Well, I used to think of the abundant life as more of a destination. But in recent years, as I continue to ponder this and, and think about this and experience the, the power of, of the Word of God in my life, I, I think the abundant life is more of a journey than just a destination. Now, when we get to heaven, 
hey, how many know there's going to be abundant life? Amen? <laughs> but here on earth, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, not just be alive, but to have abundant life. And I don't know if that intrigues you like it does me, but I want to unpack that and what that means a little bit and, and uh, maybe some things that will unlock some situations in our life that are keeping us from experiencing abundant life. Jesus, in just a couple of chapters ahead of where we read in John chapter 8, he said this, and I think it's very much related to what he's talking about here in the abundant life. John chapter 8, verse 32, he says this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I know that there are, you know, I, I looked in several translations, and, and uh, this, this verse is rendered just a little bit different. Um, usually it's, it's rendered as we've read it here, the truth shall make you free. And, and some versions render it, the truth shall set you free. And uh, either way, the, the effect of the truth is to make us free from all of the things that rob us of experiencing the abundant life. And uh, Jesus does not want us to be short in any measure when it comes to experiencing life and life abundantly. Um, what I like about this rendering of the, the verse here, the truth shall make you free, is that it implies process. And uh, there is a journey of making us free. Now, um, I, I hope uh, that Ariel doesn't mind, but you know, it's like two years she has been sober and clean. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that just exciting? Now, there was a day where she was on day one, okay? And each day, as the truth has its effect in her and in us, it makes us a little bit more free. And as we learn more and apply more of the Word of God into our lives and into the way that we think and the choices that we make and the priorities that we hold and the, the path that we're walking, it can set us even more free. You know, I'm 62 years old. I gave my life to the Lord nine years of age, and there are still areas of my life that I need to experience the abundant life. Right, we all have areas of our life that are just kind of hard little holdouts in our life that we continually struggle with and, and wish we could just conquer and just get over these things. And, and I want to explore that today because that's why Jesus came, is that we might experience life and that life in an abundant way. Doesn't that just sound good? Doesn't that just pull you? Doesn't it just attract you? <laughs> abundant life. I, uh, I think that that's something that is compelling uh, for us. So when we think of, you know, the abundant life as a journey and as a process in our life, I, I think we can understand it in this way. And I have observed in my own life and in the life of others that, uh, you know, we can be Christians, we can be saved, we go to church, we can pay our tithes, might even pray in tongues and, and uh, read our Bible every year. And on and on, we can check a lot of boxes and still feel like we are not living the abundant life because there's struggle, there's conflict, there's things that, that frustrate us that we, we just intuitively know we ought to be able to conquer and, and uh, rise above those things and, and grasp this thing of abundant life that Jesus offers us. And, and uh, yet it can feel like we're not realizing this in our own lives. 
And uh, the truth of the matter is this, is that the abundant life is not an exemption to the trials and difficulties of the world, okay? I think there's at one point in my life thinking of abundant life as a destination that all of a sudden one, one day, you know, whether you've been a Christian long enough or you checked all the boxes and all of a sudden you arrive at this destination where you are just free from trouble. How many wish that's the way the Bible read? <laughs> we do, but it doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 45. He said, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So what is, what is Jesus saying there? It's like, it doesn't matter whether you're evil or good, the sun rises. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you're just or unjust, the rain's going to fall. And so we have to understand, we live in a world that we are going to experience the sun and the rain. We're not exempt from either one, however we may think about those things. You know, and I, I think many of us, many people, you know, experience difficult and difficult things and wonder, what is it worth being a Christian when I have all the same troubles as non-Christian? And, uh, you know, we get discouraged with that. We can uh, quit. We can turn our back on God. We can quit coming to church and abandon faith because we're not seeing this promise realized in our lives. And Jesus so emphatically tells us that we can have the abundant life. So what does the abundant life mean? I think it's important to maybe define what the abundant life is, and that's been part of the intrigue of this, is like I'm in, in search of what the abundant life is. What does that look like? And I think it's important that we adjust our expectations to what the truth is and not an assumption of what we want it to be. And I think we also need to take a look on our part, what we might be doing or not doing that creates an impediment to reaching the goal of abundant living. And, uh, and I've, I've come to this conclusion that the abundant life is not so much an absence of trouble, but our response to it. Here's, here's an example. This is what I would think of as the abundant life. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 41. We've used this verse in recent weeks. Um, and just a little context, background to this single verse here that we're, we're going to look at. Um, is that the, the disciples of Jesus, Jesus has ascended to the Father, he's no longer on the earth, and uh, the disciples are, are preaching and teaching Jesus in the temple and in Jerusalem, and, and the religious authorities seize them and imprison them, they, uh, they beat them with rods, and they severely threaten their lives that they should stop teaching this Jesus. And... Uh, and so that's where we kind of catch up in Acts 5, verse 41. It says, so all this has happened. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, now does rejoicing and suffering go in the same sentence? I mean, it seems like it just doesn't belong. But that is a glimpse of what the abundant life is all about is our response. It's not like the trouble went away. In fact, when they were preaching Jesus, it caused trouble for them. Now, if they had just, if they had just uh, you know, obeyed these religious authorities and just said, okay, okay, whatever you say, just, just don't beat us. You know, don't put us in prison. We'll just, we'll just hide. We'll just go away. That's not abundant life. But here, because of what had been released in them, their response to trouble was not fear, was not to cower, was not to hide, was not to run, but rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
So I think it's important for us to take a look at our lives as Christians and say, you know what? The abundant life can be ours. Now, you may not be feeling it today. <laughs> There's a lot going on, isn't there? Um, I have a friend, was a friend at Bible College, it was 40 years ago, and uh, I saw a post on Facebook last night. He was just told hours before that he was given the diagnosis of a very difficult and aggressive and mean variety of cancer. And, uh, you know, and that's nothing to fool about. You know, that's nothing to make fun of. That's something that we probably all live with that sort of wonder, you know, am I ever going to get diagnosed with cancer? I mean, it just seems so common. And, uh, and, and so without sounding glib or trite in any way, how do we find the abundant life when cancer is diagnosed in our body? How do we find the abundant life when it comes down in the company you're working for and they say you, you either get a vaccination or you are going to lose your job? Where's the abundant life then? Well, I believe that it's ours. How do we find it? It's our response to whatever conflict or struggle or difficulty that we may have. And, uh, and so let's, let's talk about some things here today. I think one of the things that we as Christians and believers need to embrace and, and understand, there's, there's two mindsets, two approaches to life, if you just want to reduce it down to the sim most simple things, is that we either embrace a scarcity mindset or we embrace an abundance mindset. What does a scarcity mindset look like? Well, it looks like, you know what? There's not enough for everybody, so I'm going to struggle and get mine first. You know, it's like uh, toilet paper when COVID's announced, right? It's like, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm going to go get my Costco giant size, you know, package of toilet paper and I'm going to be okay. I don't care if there's not enough for anybody else, but I'm taken care of. That's a scarcity mindset. It can obviously be much more serious than that. Scarcity mindset could say, you know what? Um, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to forgive this person because there's not enough forgiveness to go around. That if I forgive somebody, they're just going to get off scot-free, and I don't want that to happen. And, uh, and we embrace this sort of scarcity. Abundant, uh, abundance uh, mindset, on the other hand, is trust and uh, relationship with Jesus. You know, Jesus is going to take care of us. It's going to be okay when we believe him. Isn't that every song that we sang this morning? You look at those words, and every one of those songs that we sang today speak to an abundance mindset that, you know, we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to be fearful, that we can forgive. Forgive liberally those who have wronged us and those whom we, for some reason, do not like. Forgive them. Because you know what? That's what Jesus tells us to do, and the truth will make you free. <laughs> the truth will make you free from unforgiveness and bitterness and depression and anger. You know, the, the first thing that happens when we, when we embrace a, a scarcity mindset is we become victims. We've been wronged. We're hurt. We're injured. We're, we're the ones that... Uh, you know, got left out. We're the ones that got left behind. You know, somebody else got an advantage over us, you know, because they're unfair and on and on. We embrace victimhood. And uh, let, let me tell you what, victimhood does not live in abundance. We have, to, we have to be willing to stop being victims. You know, they said something that wasn't nice to me, or they did something wrong, or they didn't pay me back, or whatever, and ever, and ever. 
And I'm saying all these things are easy, but when we move towards the abundant life, those things have less importance in our life. And really, uh, scarcity and victimhood is a lack of trust in the providence of God. And, and scarcity and, you know, breeds fear in our lives. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to get mine? You know, am I going to get left out? You know, all of those things, scarcity, and it, it, it breeds fear. But, you know, Scripture tells us this, is that perfect love casts out fear. And perfect love is all about the abundant life. And we have to live there. And when we love Christ and we love Jesus, we embrace abundance. And, and you know, we're not so worried about refereeing who wins and who loses and who's right and who's wrong. You know what? We trust Jesus is going to take care of that. In fact, if we will forgive that person that, that has wronged us, you know what? Guess what? They're in God's hands now. <laughs> you may not be able to do much, but you know what? God knows where they live. And, uh, and we can leave that in his hands and trust him and believe him that he is going to take care of everything that affects us. So I think our journey to the abundant life is we, we adopt an abundance mindset. And that means I have enough. I have enough for me. I have enough for you. I can help you. When you need help, I can help you. And, and when, I, when you need forgiveness, I can forgive you. I can let go of all those things that hold me back. Why? Because the truth will make me free. And that's what the truth does when we apply it in our lives. So the, uh, the obverse of that is when we are not living in compliance with the word of God. You know, when, when we are living in ignorance of what the Bible actually says or when we are living in defiance of what the Bible actually says. And uh, we live in a world where so much of that is going on. And I'm, and I'm, I'm talking in the church. You know, the Bible literacy um, is at an all-time low in the church worldwide or just, you know, in general. And uh, so many people have such an uh, inadequate understanding of Scripture that's, that's part of my motivation for, you know, encouraging you to read your Bibles all the time, frequently, is to uh, increase your familiarization with Scripture, because uh, it's the Scripture that is the thing that changes us and the thing that, that uh, makes us uh, free when we apply it to our lives. Now, you may have a, uh, a medicine cabinet at home somewhere, and, uh, and there's prescriptions or you know, aspirin, pain, pain relievers, uh, you know, as I get 62, um, pain relievers are just, you know, one of my best friends, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, I've got a shoulder that just sometimes will keep me up all night. And, uh, and it doesn't matter whether or not I have pain relievers in the cupboard or not. It does not matter one little bit. And it doesn't matter even if I take that bottle of pain relievers, ibuprofen, and I set it on my nightstand and I sleep next to it, it doesn't matter. It only matters when that pain reliever gets inside of me. And then it works. And then I go to sleep. So it is with the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether you own a Bible or not. It doesn't matter that it's sitting right on the shelf. It doesn't matter whether you tuck it under your pillow at night. It only matters when it gets inside of you. And then it does its work. And, and so when we live either in, out of compliance with the Word of God, either through ignorance, we don't know what the Bible says about any subject, or we do know what it says, but we live in defiance of that, then we have conflict in our lives. 
We have struggle in our lives. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great clue to us. You know, if we have these reoccurring struggles in our lives, um, that's a clue to us. You know what? We should look up what the Word of God has to say about that. And we may not like what it says, but that is the key to making us free and experiencing more and more of the abundant life. Not about you, you know, it's like, you know, we get to a place where we're just kind of okay with where we're living. And, and uh, yeah, we've got some annoying things over here, but, you know, we can just live with that. We can just kind of tolerate that, um, you know, because that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, for overall, we feel pretty good about our lives. Well, uh, you know, Jesus didn't come so that we could just cope with life. Jesus, I'll I'll defy you to find anywhere in Scripture, Jesus said, you know why I came to earth? is so I could teach you how to cope with your problems. Jesus is not a coping management kind of person, okay? He's not that kind of God. You know what God is? He's a deliverance God, and uh, he wants to end these things in our lives. He wants us to experience freedom from things that wear us out, the things that, that destroy us, and the things that, that cause us all kinds of pain and suffering, whether emotional or physical or whatever it may be. God wants to deliver us from these things. And, uh, you know, here's, here's the truth of the matter, is that, you know, when we live either in ignorance or defiance of what the Word of God has to say, you can be a Christian and still get divorced, okay? You can be a Christian saved, forgiven of your sin, and still get divorced. Why? Because maybe we don't want to forgive. You know, the longer I go with uh, marriage, the, the more I realize, you know, it's like I should just start the day and just say, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. <laughs> Both directions. You know. that's, that's just what it takes. But when we stop wanting to do that, we can be a Christian and still get divorced. You know, we can be a Christian and still struggle with addiction. We can be a Christian and still live below our privilege in Christ. But Jesus, I hope this begins to intrigue you, offers to us abundant life. And I don't know about you, but that is what pulls me. That's what attracts me. And when the truth is put into action in our life, it releases in us the the power of the abundant life. You know, being a Christian is the path to freedom, but but we must move beyond salvation to living the truth out in our daily lives. The abundant life is when we discover truth and begin to live it out consistently. You know, the Bible has a uh, word for this that uh, we don't use very often. It's kind of a big word, and we only use it in theological discussions or in church. And, and that's this whole process of sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? Well, at, at its root, it, sanctification means to be removed or separated from evil or anything that defiles in the temple or in the tabernacle whenever a vessel was to be used in worship, you know, in, in uh, whatever it was that they were doing, you know, burning incense at the, or, or at the brazen altar in, in the sacrifice or, or the showbread or, or the candles or whatever it was, any of those instruments weren't just, you know, found on a shelf somewhere and taken into the temple or into the tabernacle and just put to use. 
before they would ever be used, they had to be sanctified. They had to be washed. They had to be clean from, from anything that defiles, anything that was dirty or, or anything that uh, would uh, disqualify it from being used in the temple. And, and, and so it is in our lives. Each day, you and I are being sanctified. And, as, and what sanctifies us? It's the Word that sanctifies us. We uh, uh, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 3 here. And this is one area of sanctification. And uh, Paul writes to Thessalonians church, he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, and here's how it's applied, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So when we live in compliance with the word of God, if we really want to experience the abundant life, we look at what scripture has to say here. And in this particular application of scripture, he says that, that we should abstain from sexual immorality. And what does that mean? It means any sexual relationship outside of marriage. If you're not married and you're having sex, it doesn't matter with a man or a woman, it's sexual immorality. It's only sanctioned under a marriage relationship. And when we realize that and when we live that and when we practice that, it sets us free. And that's what Jesus wants for us. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and be ready to close our service here with a final song. But I want you to know this, is that the journey to the abundant life is worth it. And maybe you've been a Christian and you just feel like, man, I'm not getting it. I, you know, I, I, sometimes you get so discouraged or depressed. And, I, you know, I, I've invited Jesus into my life, but I'm just not experiencing what the abundant life is all about. I tell you what, this is the path to it, is that we begin to discover the truth and the truth will make us free from the things that destroy our lives, from the things that frustrate us, from the things that cause us pain, from the things that make us cry, Jesus will lead us in that journey. And Satan will battle you to keep you from making progress in this journey. He'll make you, uh, he'll give you opportunity to feel like, you know, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to live, in, you know, in compliance with the word of God. But it is a battle he will lose if you just keep, eating, keep taking a step at a time. Because Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. And they might have it abundantly. What will you choose today? Will you choose a scarcity mindset? Or will you choose an abundance mindset? One in which will release you from all the things that keep us back, hold us back, keep us in fear, keep us from experiencing the power of the Word of God in our lives. Would you stand? And we're going to pray today. I'm not the only one, I know, that still is on that journey and path to the abundant life. Well, I've experienced a lot of things being set free in my life. But there's more. And if you today want that kind of freedom in your life, whatever it is, you just hold it out before the Lord today, we're going to pray. And if you just want to raise your hand and say, Jesus, there's more work to do here. Help me to be on that journey to the abundant life. Why don't you just raise your hand right now? Heavenly Father, Lord, we choose to believe you at your word. You said two things that intrigue us. Number one, that we can have abundant life and that truth will set us free. And I pray, Lord, for every person here today. And Lord, maybe we're just ignorant of what your word has to say. Lord, the, the keys that will unlock our freedom in our life and the gate to abundant life. Or maybe, Lord, we're, some of us are stubborn and may, maybe, Lord, we're defiant today. And we just want to be honest with you, Lord, to say, Lord, I don't want to do what your word says. 
but I want you to help me to want to do that. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord, each hand that's raised in faith, Lord, that you would begin to work in their lives. Lord, bring them to the Word of God. Lord, let the, the truth of the Word begin to unlock, Lord, the things that are keeping them from freedom or abundant life. Lord, I pray for those who are in defiance of the Word of God. Lord, that you change your heart. Lord, that we do what's right, even if we don't want to feel like we're doing what we want to do. Lord, I pray, release us, and Lord, let us begin to taste and experience the abundant life like never before. Lord, I believe there's victory in this house today, Lord. We've already seen testimonies and seen, Lord, you at work in people's lives. And Lord, we want that for ourselves as well. Lord, there's enough to go around. There's enough victory in Jesus for every person on the planet. And Father, we want to be that. We want to live there. Or we're tired of being depressed or angry or, or sullen or, or scared or victimized. We want to live the abundant life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.